You're listening to audio from Redeemer Church in Lubbock, Texas. Redeemer Church is a gospel-centered, missional family of disciples making disciples and churches planting churches. If you would like to get more information or donate to this ministry, please visit RedeemerLubbock.org. All right, good morning, everybody. My name is Dusty. I'm one of the pastors here, and um, we are going through a series about being gospel formed, and there's been a, a reason for the um, the ordering of it all because um, it started off talking about um, two weeks ago gospel formed life. That what that means is is that really the first domino. We've been saying this a lot of different ways. I mean, I hope every Sunday, but especially over the last um, year and a half or so, uh, with our Worth It initiative, of that the, there's a first domino that has to fall, and what we're going to do with our, the Christian faith, whether looking at it. Let's say you're not a Christian, you're watching online, you're here in person. Person, kind of looking at it, checking it out, um, or as an insider, as a Christian, trying to figure out how you're going to live, is that there's a first domino, and it goes like this. If Jesus Christ is resurrected from the dead, if he was crucified, sinless, uh, taking on our shame and guilt, um, all the sin that we committed against God, and took that on himself, was crucified, dead and buried, resurrected, that um, if that first domino falls, and I just would want to encourage you here to really strongly consider, do you think that Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, came to this earth, lived sinlessly, was crucified, came back to life? If so, then, then all these other dominoes begin to fall, like necessarily. Like then you're going to say, well, okay, this is, these are God's words for us. Like we need to know them and I want to treasure them. I want to obey them. And um, it's also going to be things about what our life is about. Now, instead of just living to make as much money as I can, have as much fun as I can, now my life has another purpose. There's, there's another end. And, and God might even use me, will even use me for other people so that they would know who Jesus is, so they could grow in grace and everything like that. So like all these other dominoes begin to fall, but the, the critical reality is, is has Jesus grabbed a hold of us, and what do you think about his death and resurrection? And it's always going to come back to that, because all the stuff I'm going to talk about today, that, um, that like, what do you care about that if you don't think that he walked out of the tomb? So, like, that, that's going to be the starting point for it, and then last week we built on that um, with what Jason Hatch talked about being a gospel-formed church, and um, what it means to be, uh, be a body of believers. We'll actually touch on that some. And this one we talk uh, today about uh, being a, a gospel-formed mission, about what God might have for us right here, right now, in your everyday life. And here's my burden, is what I think the reality is. I think a lot of us, uh, we don't uh, see a connection with the life that you live at work, at school, with your hobbies. You don't see any connection with that in your spiritual life to, I think, a lot of us, maybe most of us today, that your, your spiritual life is limited to what you're doing right now and maybe your devotional life if you're reading the Bible on your own. And after that, you're like, I don't know, I'm just getting paid and I'm trying to stay married or I'm trying to win an intramural championship or whatever it is you're doing. You know, like you've got these things that are happening. If we had, do we have intramurals, college students? Are they happening this year? Kind of, okay, good. So, like, so you're getting that T-shirt All-American on you and all that. And like you've got, you've got these things that you're doing and you don't really know what they've got to do with each other. And I, like I'm burdened about that and it makes me excited to perhaps unlock so much of that that um, it can almost feel like a conversion of sorts uh, for Christians even to start to see all of their life, um, all of it connected to the Lord is both an opportunity for growth and simultaneously an opportunity for mission. And listen to this, for most of the stuff we're gonna talk about today, not adding one thing. 
not adding a single thing to your schedule, which excites me. So, because if you're like, oh my gosh, I've got to attend another something or do another something, I don't even know about that. So, um, what we're going to do is I'm going to start off with one verse that's going to frame our time, and then we're going to look at what I'm going to describe as six different rhythms of life. And, um, and then we'll have some verses and things mixed in in the middle of that so we can see how it's an opportunity for growth and for mission on each one of these. So here we go. Uh, Romans 12.1. Uh, this is after all these awesome first domino realities of Romans 1 through 11, of Christ crucified and resurrected. Now, because of all that, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. So uh, the idea of this is, is because of the cross of resurrection, our life, all of it, not just on Sunday mornings for an hour, um, not, not any just one little segment of it, but all of it, like all of it, like it, really the Christian life, you're going to feel so many contradictions if you're like, no, this thing right here is my Christian experience, that you're just going to feel this constant rub. And what Jesus is going to be pushing you into is you read the Bible all the time as he's going to be looking at you saying, no, 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 that too. The money? Yeah, the, the money. Um, my, my sexuality? Yeah, that. Um, my future? And like, I'm real anxious? Yeah, that. How about my political take? Yep. Um, how about like my depression? Yep. How about, I mean, like every, all of it. He's going to be saying, yep, 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 yep. All that, all that. Under, like, trust me with all of that. Submit all of that to me. And then it becomes an act of worship connection with the Lord, right? Okay, so we're going to start uh, jumping into these rhythms, or what I'm going to describe them as, about how to connect with God, one, and then secondarily be on his mission. We'll do that with all six of these. We're going to move really quick and fast, so hang on tight. All right, Mark 1, uh, household. Um, household is the first the first rhythm. This would be who you live with. It may just be you. You may have people with you. Um, you have an opportunity to, to connect with the Lord as an individual and also as a family. I look at Jesus, who is busy. Don't talk to me about being busy. Uh, Jesus was healing people, so... I'm just saying, I mean, he was in demand. Um, and even in the middle of that, rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. Like, he connected with the Father. He withdrew and connected. And uh, I think that if Jesus is doing that, that probably tells us something about what we need to be prioritizing as well, is that individually, this is an opportunity to connect. I'm not going to develop this a ton, because I had a whole sermon on this two weeks ago, and the importance of God's Word feeding you and nourishing you. There's not any path forward. If you're a Christian, you're like, I just want to grow, that there's not any path forward of growth that doesn't involve God's word regularly nourishing you, feeding you, instructing you, challenging you, correcting you, um, rebuking, encouraging. Like the Bible does all of these things and like reading it and then connecting with the Lord in prayer, just like Jesus is doing, is the means by which that happens. I would add that if you live with other people, let's say you've got a family that um, you know, about a month ago we were reading through Deuteronomy and Deuteronomy would say, uh, with your kids, like you, that this should be one of your most important things. And this is even where it starts to move into mission as well as we're going to follow Jesus together with those we live with, if possible, but also even like evangelizing, being on mission with them. If you're a Christian, you're going to want uh, everything from spouse to children. Deuteronomy would say, hey, look, while you're on the road, while you're sitting down for meals, like all the time, like we're, we're teaching, we're training, we're directing, we're evangelizing our children, basically, like we're pointing them towards Jesus. I realize some of you may be a little off-put with that, but why well, we got to be pointing them in a direction? 
you're pointing your kids in a direction all the time. Even if you're, you're saying, hey, you know, we're not doing religion here, like that's pointing them in a religion, uh, in a direction. All the time, we're pointing them in a direction about what's uh, the most valuable to us. And so the Bible would say, Jesus is most valuable, so point them there all the time. And so you have opportunities with children, with siblings, with spouse. A, a cool story this year on the missional point. So you have an opportunity to connect with the Lord individually and as a family, but there are opportunities for mission with those you live with. Um, that that uh, Sarah Dameron, uh, Sarah and Robert are in our small group um, that we call gospel communities. And um, you know, about a year ago, Robert wasn't a Christian. And um, you know, Sarah, through faithful witness and prayer and care, and uh, that Robert was baptized right around a year ago, um, that he, it was through a long time of faithful love, sharing the gospel, and a whole bunch of other things, and God's kindness. And I can think of a lot of you, I meet college students all the time that I talk to, and I'm like, hey, who are you, and who are you, and oh, this is my roommate, I brought them today, and like cool stories of bringing roommates and fraternity brothers and sorority sisters and bringing, bringing even to our gatherings here. So uh, that's even a good, uh, good segue into the second rhythm. So household, um, there might be something to add um, in terms of like in some intentionality with spending time um, with the Lord, um, but here we go then to the second one, and that would be gatherings. Look at a, a verse that Jason talked about last week, Ephesians 2.19. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with, uh, with the saints and members of the household of God. Uh, so I love this uh, verse right here because while it doesn't name the gathering specifically, it tells you what we are and that we're a family. So we want to believe the gospel and we want to find family. And it talks about us being uh, members of the household of God. And uh, there's a familial aspect to this that um, I think is one of the things that will be really interesting to watch and over on how people are going to kind of consume church, for lack of a better phrase. So there's some of you that are watching online that are protecting vulnerable people, so I'm not talking about that. But it's going to be really interesting going forward on how many Christians are like, you know, I don't really want to get up and, you know, get ready and all that. Like, I'm going to consume the content of church at home over the long haul. Like, I think I like that better, and I'm going to stay disconnected from the familial household element. And the reality is, is God calls us to, like, gather together, if possible, in person. I'm grateful, grateful for the digital means to stay connected for those that couldn't and with the wackiness of the last year, very grateful. And a lot of you here are like, yeah, that's how I stayed connected for a good part of it. But there's a calling to relationship. There just is over the long haul. And to be a household of God with regular gatherings where formal worship services where we have now, like we're having now, where we're being reminded of that first domino in the preaching, in the scripture reading, in the singing, with the communion of Christ being crucified, Christ being resurrected, a gospel-formed church. Again, I'm not going to overdo it on this one because this is what Jason Hatch talked about last week. But I did think this is a good graphic right here, just as something to consider. Um, just as an image. So um, I saw this the other day on social media. I thought it was good. I'm a Christian, but don't really need the church. Um, so that's, that's you right there. Uh, I don't know how this ends, but it doesn't look good. And um, you may be like, no, but I, yeah, I, I can read the Bible on my own. And I'm, I'm sure, but um, the design by God is like, he, he really values the church. Jesus died for the church. And so uh, there's a beautiful perspective here on this is an opportunity for you um, when we gather both here and in smaller settings where you can find family and gospel communities, disciple one another in grow groups. Uh, but this is an opportunity for growth for you. Now, I'll admit this might be something that some of us need to add. And I would even encourage you if you're taking notes or you've got your phone out and you can put it in Evernote or whatever you use 
that there, is there a step that needs to happen? This will be the only thing I'll talk about where there might need to be something that adds. Like, do you need to be more consistent on your devotional life of reading the Bible and prayer? Has that kind of slipped out of use? Uh, do you need to re-up on the Bible reading plan? Does God's word need to be more of a priority for you in that way? Um, even his gathering with a church maybe slipped out of use a bit. Like where you come some, you don't really have any meaningful connections relationally. Uh, that is there perhaps more consistent in gathering. And even maybe, uh, look, nobody's more church hurt in this room than me. I promise you. Like I've, I've seen it all in, you know, 27 years of pastoral ministry, but I realize some of us have been hurt. You had a small group that multiplied and then it got weird and you had a falling out with someone and you were really disappointed with someone that like really blew it. And like, I, trust me, I get it. Uh, but some of us, I wonder if a step is, look, I need to relationally engage uh, or re-engage uh, a bit. Uh, so I'll admit that there might be some that might need to add that. But for the rest of us, it may be even being more intentional and even missionally. Um, I think you could make a strong case biblically that, um, that there are many passages that talk about uh, non-believers being present in our gatherings. So in 1 Corinthians, it says, be careful even on how you use your spiritual gifts or people will think you're crazy. I mean, Paul said that. Be careful because people aren't going to understand and they're outsiders in all of this. And, and even when you're taking communion, like we will every Sunday here, that uh, realizing that there are people there who are not following Jesus or, or maybe who would say that they're Christians but are in active rebellion. And Paul says, hey, look, we need to understand that the Lord's table, communion, is for those who are actively following Jesus, however imperfectly. And, but it assumes that there would be people that are there who are not Christians and who are not actively walking with the Lord. Um, I love it whenever you bring your, your friends who are not actively following Jesus missionally. So point is, these are opportunities for growth for you, uh, but I love it whenever I hear of, of many of you that are bringing a coworker or a friend or a neighbor and they're coming here. Um, I was talking to the, uh, Sarah Kirkon, um, who's doing our, um, our service leading today, that she was talking about recalling back at her time at Tech that she brought a coworker and to everything, to the services, to her gospel community when they would have a cookout, you name it, I mean everything, all these different gatherings. And then through all that, through inviting her really into her community, that, um, that her friend ended up um, believing in Jesus, was baptized, and now actively following Jesus as a full-fledged adult and all of that. So, I mean, I've heard so many stories like that uh, of you inviting your friends, and um, so many of our friends need the hope of Jesus. And if you're one of those, I'm just so glad that you're here today. It really means a lot. Third rhythm. Now, here's the thing. From here on out, everything else we're talking about is not one extra thing. Again, there may be one action point for some of us that we want to consider um, here of starting walking with the Lord more intentionally, individually, or being a bit more consistent with gatherings. But other than that, everything else we're talking about, I'm not asking for one second more of your time, but a little bit more intentionality, both for growth in Jesus and connection with Jesus, as well as on his mission. So third rhythm is work. Third rhythm is work. This is, let me define work real quick. This means what you do with your time. So if you're a stay-at-home mom, retiree, um, accountant, coach, you know, whatever. Like in that, in that world, like that, that's vocation, what you do with your time. So here you go, growth, uh, Colossians 3, 22 through 25. Slaves, there was a, a milder but still tough form of slavery uh, that some Christians found themselves in. And here it says, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Look at this. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. 
for the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. So here's what's exciting to me, is here's what I think. Again, my burden that I started this service with, a lot of you are like, I don't know, man. I'm like, I go to church, but now like I'm, I'm just filling up my spreadsheet, and that's what I do, or I'm coaching kids, or I'm changing diapers, or uh, you know, I'm a speech pathologist, I'm a whatever, like whatever it is that you do, I'm just a this. And I'm not like a missionary or a church staffer, and it's not like really holy work or any of that. And, and so God would beg to differ. Yeah, that your work is, first of all, an opportunity for you to connect with the Lord. There is no menial task, ever, ever, like all of it. Like what this is saying is, is that how everyone you know does work is, look, I want to make it seem like I'm doing good work, maybe a little bit of, of um, appearance over substance. I want to make it seem like I'm working hard, doing good work, trying to impress the boss, trying to impress the customer, trying to impress the, the student, the parent, the whoever, right, the, parent, the principal, and you're trying to do that. But what this does is invert it and says, actually, it's not ever really about that. It's actually, I'm doing this work for the Lord, not for eye service, not for people pleasing. In other words, it's an opportunity on every task that you do, studying for finals, um, getting ready for the presentation, um, preparing for next week's game, you name it. Like every one of these things is an opportunity to connect with the Lord for that thing to be an, an act of worship for you in the way that you're working because it's for him. And can you imagine what that would unlock for you on all the things that you're doing with your work that that's an opportunity to connect with the Lord that you're serving him as you're actually doing this task? And can you imagine the impact on the actual work that you, you will do? I mean, do you think that might have an impact on work quality when it was done for Jesus and not just to get a paycheck and not just to make yourself look good or whatever the case would be? It's also an opportunity for mission that um, all these people, like I don't know the people you work with, almost certainly. Like you, I don't know the people you're going to school with right now. Like I, I don't know, I'm not in these circles, but God has put you there uniquely. And this is why every week we say, hey, Redeemer, you are sent. Is You are his sent ones into all of these different layers. Like you don't have to add anything. You're already around these people. It's just a matter of an intentionality. Um, so I, I, um, I, I was thinking the other day about how I've, I've seen this play out missionally. And um, I was having, I've had the same kind of conversation dozens of times. We have some of the most amazing coaches that are uh, members here at Redeemer, like tremendous at various levels from middle school, high school, college. Um, they're really, really good at what they do, successful. But part of the reason they're successful is Colossians 3. And I was uh, meeting up with one of them the other day and legitimately they had tears in their eyes talking about, uh, talking about one of their athletes that had a tough home life and like how much they cared about that. And yes, they were trying to maximize the potential of that athlete and help them get to the next place that they wanted to go, that the coach wanted them to go, the team needed them for them to go, but also just cared about what it meant for them to be them and cared about what it would mean for Jesus to intersect that and doing high quality work, but caring about people. Like that kind of stuff means so much. I can think of somebody else that's in the service um, that had, um, that I, I really received this story recently that they'd been praying for, for a long long time for an opportunity to even share the grace of Jesus, the story of the cross and resurrection with one of their patients. And then um, that person, um, you know, they just got to a point and, and that, that conversation happened. Um, that conversation happened recently. And, and so I just hear these kind of stories all the time of the way that not only work can connect you with the Lord, but also even connect you on Jesus's mission and give you opportunities to do high quality work, which is beautiful on its own uh, for its own sake 
sake, but also even advancing um, the mission of Jesus. Fourth, uh, fourth rhythm would be rest and recreation. I told we, we were moving fast. Um, the fourth one would be rest and recreation. This is what you do to kind of blow off steam. Um, have fun, things that you do for fun, things your children even do for fun. Look at, uh, look at Jesus in Matthew 11, 29 through 30. I love this. Um, I love this. I need to hear this all the time. This is what Jesus says. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Isn't that beautiful? For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I often don't experience Jesus like this. Maybe it's because of what I do for a living. Maybe it's because of my wiring. I often feel like I've got a business relationship with Jesus. You know, um, like he has some work for me that he needs me to do for him. And I need him to do some things for me, you know, save me and help me out with things and all that. And we kind of we high five and kind of knuckles and, and that kind of thing as we pass and we each have our respective jobs. Uh, but that's not actually what the Bible, again, while we've got an anchor to the Bible, is not actually um, what it says is that he actually wants to take burdens off. Again, why it's so important to abide in him. Uh, but also even what we do with our regular patterns of rest and renewal, that the idea is we would even walk deeply in that reality on like a weekly basis. I, like I would strongly encourage you, it may not be possible if you're in med school or something, uh, but if you've got little babies at home, it may not be possible in exactly this way. But for lots of us to take at least a day every week where you stop and yes, you, you could get a jump on email. Yes, you could respond to that Slack message. Yes, you could tighten up that presentation. Yes, you could do more and you could prep for next week's classes. Yes, you could do more. But, but where you're actually going to say in the same way that you became a Christian, hey, I, I've got more work to do, but I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop and I'm just going to um, rest in the Lord and even experience that, the lowliness and gentleness of Jesus and experience that kind of rest and connection with the Lord. Like your, your things that you do to, um, to recreate and uh, to be renewed, that um, there are ways to actually connect with the Lord on that, even being mindful of the hobbies you do and you go on a mountain bike ride and you, even though we don't have mountains here, but you still have the bike and you know, you got to, you can go do those things. And there's one way is to say, I'm going to go get my workout in. Another way is to say, man, I'm going to enjoy the sunshine and I'm going to be, I'm just going to rest in the Lord. I'm going to put worship music on as I ride a bike or whatever. And you can connect with him. Even as you do these hobbies, these are, these are chances to enjoy the Lord with things that you already, with the workout and with things that you like to do. Now, there are also opportunities for mission. Um, and we have a chance with the things that we do, you're already doing them, to engage people around you. Now, some of these examples are just personal to me, and you've even heard several of these of people that are like, you know, fairly well connected to my life and me with them. But I'll tell you something that is maybe one of the most impactful things for me, the things that fire me up maybe more than anything else are when people that I know from my outside of Redeemer life make their way here in the life of this church, into our gatherings, into this family, and even sometimes even meet Jesus in the process. And so I, mean, I can think of lots of people like this, but one that stands out right now, just got to see him every week, is a kid that I coached starting at, uh, so I coached both of my kids' baseball teams over the years and sometimes football too, is a kid that I started coaching at 12, 12 years old, um, a kid named Cameron, and ended up being good friends with, with my oldest kid, and they've hung out over the years, and coached him from 12, really through 14, and somewhat even at 15. 
and um, you know, and then through them hanging out and all that, and Cameron ended up coming here. I was part of his baptism. Um, he's a context leader in our college ministry, is a freshman in college now, and in fact, when my oldest kid came home um, in the middle of his transfer from one school to another, that Cameron wanted to train with Roman and me, and, and we started lifting and hanging out, and so I see him multiple times every week, and like those kind of things to me are like incredibly valuable, uh, th- even through my kids' sports, is that these kids and then their families, even meeting Jesus, growing in grace, those kind of things mean a lot to me, and I love it when I see those kind of stories with you too, of your hobbies and people, things that you do, um, and I, it's just an incredible thing whenever you can see um, these different things, even your vacations and all the things that can happen are opportunities uh, to not only grow, but to be on Jesus's mission. Fifth, morning and celebration. Um, this is where things are hard, things are awesome. These are on ramps onto your life and onto theirs. Look at this in Romans twelve fifteen. Um, this is really good advice. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. First step with this is like here's going to be the temptation. Anytime you're going through pain or a good thing, the temptation is to think you're own on that. You're on your own, and you need to get that cleaned up. And then once you kind of, uh, you know, are able to make those things tidy, then you come to the Lord going, okay, I used to think this, but now we're good. Uh, but here's the thing. Um, I, I'm even learning this in marriage, that Amy and I were at a, at a conference, or not a conference, but a, a training last week on marriage. And the guy that was leading it said that the temptation is to go from conflict to resolution and stay above the line. We've got a problem, let's fix it. But the real challenge and goal is in marriage is to go, go below the line and be like, all right, I'm, I'm not going to try to like fix you real quick. Um, you're not going to try to fix me. Let's try to understand where the hurt's coming from, where the reaction's coming from. You get intimacy as a result of that, then you reapproach the problem. I would make the case that's what happens in our spiritual life and why it's such a chance for growth for us when we're hurting and when things are going well. Um, it's a real chance for us to, to really slow down and even sense the Lord's care for us in our hurting and not try to get that all tidied up before we approach him. Go read the Psalms. I mean, you'll see the highs and the lows and just taking that to the Lord and then there's intimacy and then a reapproaching with a fresh perspective of the problem. So first of all, your points of mourning and celebration are an on-ramp for you and the Lord, but then again, like all the rest of them, you're already going through your highs and lows. People around you are going through their highs and lows. These are an opportunity um, for mission, every one of them. Again, not adding anything to your schedule. Um, I've watched you be there for one another and for your neighbors whenever they've lost people. Like there have been deaths, there's been miscarriages, there's been disappointments, there's been marriages that have blown sky high. And I've watched you be there for one another. I've watched you love one another. I've watched you celebrate well. I had some residents this week that, that uh, did something really funny. It was a couple of weeks ago that I thought was hilarious. I was complaining, um, sort of in jest, that my wife wins an award every 15 minutes. Um, and like we really have run out of room for them all. And uh, she'd won another award. I'm, I'm not bitter about that. I'm really happy about that, really. Um, and and I, I was joking with some of them that the only award I've ever received was at our 10th anniversary at Redeemer. Um, I got a fly fishing trip where you guys more or less said, hey, good job for not getting fired. Well done. Um, you, you stayed here employed. Good job. And so I had a few residents that got me. I won't get into the details of the, of the little trophy. It's in my office right now. You can come see it. And then they got me a trophy. And just as a, and just interesting, isn't it? I mean, just a funny little gift like that and how much that meant to me. And I had a friend this week that's also in this service that just showed up unexpectedly and brought me a cup of coffee. 
you know, just to intersect with me, just to engage me a little bit and, and celebrate and mourn the things that are good and hard. And uh, we have opportunities for this all day long with one another to be on Jesus's mission. Uh, finally, the last one is meals. And this one may be like, no, what? Uh, but look, I, I think that, um, again, we tend to think that meals are meals. And a lot of you foodie suckers in here, uh, like that's your own little pursuit and maybe it can even become idolatrous. I get that. Uh, but look at this verse right here. I think this is a fun verse in Ecclesiastes, which is an otherwise dark book going, hey, we die soon. So, you know, it is what it is. You know, that's kind of the, the, the story of Ecclesiastes. But look in the middle of this. Go eat your bread with joy and drink your wine with a merry heart for God has already approved of what you do. Now, this would be someone walking in a covenant relationship with him. But it's saying, hey, look, like, have you ever thought about this? There's no evolutionary advantage whatsoever to taste buds, you know? I mean, like, he created these things for textures and tastes and unique foods and cultures around the world that bring something unique literally to the table. And God designed like food to be taken with thankfulness um, and merriness and even connect you with the Lord. There's a reason why a lot of people pray before you eat and it's not so, Lord, thank you for this day. Now we can get done with us and get on with the food. But it's like, thank you that you made foods like that. And I don't know much about pairing wines with foods, but like you've, you've done all these little things and these little sparkling water drinks with flavor. And like you've done all these things things and, and people have put these things together and we get to enjoy these tastes and textures and like every meal you eat, every drink you drink is an opportunity to, to connect your heart and thankfulness with the Lord and even grow and enjoy him in this way. It's also an opportunity uh, for mission. Look at Jesus in Mark 2 uh, verses 15 through 17. And as he reclined at the table in his house, many tax collectors and sinners were reclining with Jesus and his disciples for there were many who followed him. Uh, followed him and the scribes of the Pharisees, when they saw what, that he was eating um, with sinners and tax collectors, said to his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And when Jesus heard it, he said to them, those who are well have no need for a physician, but those who are sick, I came to call the righteous, but the sinners. And this is really cool. What Jesus is doing here is people are like, you're hanging out with who? And like, yes, I'm going in their home and, and presumably would have them in his home and other of his disciples' homes, um, that kind of thing. And so we, th this is the idea, and I love it. Sometimes I'll have people tattle on Redeemer members, and they'll come up and say, do you know who some of your people are hanging out with so-and-so? And I'm always like, that's what I'm talking about. Man, that is cool. Like we're, we're actually becoming like Jesus in this when we're hanging out, uh, hanging out with people and kind of wondering and all that. Like what a beautiful expression of grace. Like these are on-ramps to include people in our home and us and to them. And I've seen like one of a family that's in, this, um, um, in the service now, the mocks, do it. I've watched uh, for years um, uh, them have people in their home, um, including like we'll have Mormon missionaries that'll show up in this service and like they just love them well. Like, like they're not fighting with them. They're not going, yeah, we're going to talk about, you know, they're not doing that at all. Like love them well. And all the way to here, and I've met a lot of these guys and had good relationships with them too. And I've seen several of you meet internationals, including in your home and getting to experience American culture. And you're bringing the grace of Jesus with you into those relationships. Like so cool um, what meals can mean and the kind of hospitality. So here's the point to all of this is I pull all this together. So the point to all this, I'm hoping like all those things right there don't add one thing. Like, I'm hoping your mind is just racing right now and going, ooh, we can have this person over. And you know what, man, I'm playing intramurals. And yeah, we're going to get that, that uh, we're going to be T-shirt All-Americans. We're going we're gonna to win it. Uh, but you know, there's this guy on the team. And I wonder if 
I wonder, you know, and, um, and you know, here's, I'm coaching my kids' teams and we're going crazy and we're traveling and all this. I wonder if we could go deeper into the, like, I hope you're just thinking right now and beginning to think and even how, how you can even be connected to the Lord and he's not looking to add. He's looking to take burdens off of you through his grace. I'm hoping that you can just, your mind is racing in this, but my hope would be is that um, through the simplicity of your life, as simple as you can make it, that all of these things would be opportunities for connection and growth with the Lord and for Jesus' mission. And if you're not a Christian, you would even be hearing all of this and saying, you know, actually, that, that's actually what I want for my life is to be in that kind of relationship with God in a way that would be compelling for everything that I do, that everything would reorient around that. And that would be an awesome hope and dream. So I'm going to pray for us that this would be true. Lord, would you, uh, would you make this true in us through all these rhythms that we're already experiencing in our life? Um, that we would seek you and you would be found in all of them and that we would be your sent ones um, all through the city and the things that we do. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen.